Still got your panic button. <laughs> All right, here we go. Go for it, bro. All right, folks. Happy to uh, have you once again. When I think with Boston, we had a great guest. We're going to tell you about him in one second. But this week's episode of Unanchored Boston is brought to you by, as always, Our Best Foods, featuring Our Best Burgers. It's burger season, folks, available at your favorite local grocer and Cold Springs RV, your destination for all things camping and where? We're in New Hampshire, of course. And the great George Gray at the great George Gray's one and only Lexington Toyota. Well, we are just thrilled to have the maestro of Sports Talk Radio join us. From Scottsdale, Arizona, Bob Lobelli going to do the honors right here to introduce our good pal, Glenn Orway. The big O, Glenn, unbelievable. The big show, where did it all go? How You guys were, <laughs> you guys were on top of the world. I mean, we all were on top of the world at one point. All of a sudden, it's kind of whisked out from underneath. Yeah. You know, we all were there, and we all are not there. It's just like how quickly that, how quickly it changes. But yeah. Well, Mike, you know, my, I'll tell this to to uh, to Mike. Loby and I came into the Boston market the same day. Wow. He came in from Manchester, New Hampshire, and I was working up at that WMLO in Beverly Danvers, which you know yeah. well, Mikey. Yeah. But the same day, he and I came into the Boston market. Wow, pretty wow. bizarre. What, what are the odds? What are the odds? We, we both get a little recognition from Jack Craig. I remember <laughs> that in the, in the Globe. Yeah, these two little those Jack Craig, right. right. Yeah. He always liked you better, though, I think, Glenn. No, 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 no. You got that wrong. Your memory, your memory <laughs> no, is no, wrong. Eddie Andelman he didn't like. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah, I think that might have been it. You know, we, we travel through the ages here, uh, almost, almost parallel universes because yeah. a lot of the stuff that Glenn had on really was uh, transferable to television, like Butch from the Cape. I mean, he, th- th- this is one of the great callers of all time. And I don't know if you remember him, Lynchy, but sure. Butch from the Cape was a legend. And um, we did a story about him and uh, because he was on EEI because he was dominant. And it was just amazing the, the way things were able to, transfer back and forth but glenn of course more importantly you were a play-by-play guy with the celtics uh as yours i was too with johnny most yeah. you you lasted a lot longer with johnny most than i did <laughs> <laughs> uh i guess i did it was you it was guy manila who people forget i did a show with for a year on wrko people forget that but um yeah, you were doing it, and Guy was doing it. Johnny had all sorts of health issues, and then they brought me in. And I did it for 15 years. Uh, half of those color commentary and half of them play-by-play. What, what are some of your favorite Johnny stories, Glenn? Well, lighting himself up in fire, Mike, uh, obviously goes to the top <laughs> of the list. It, it was not once. It was twice. He did it at the Garden the first night. And Johnny, you know, wasn't a, a fashion icon. You know, he would uh, he would go, remember Ames? Remember that store Ames? Yeah, he would go Ames. to like Ames, yeah, and a Kmart, and that's where he would uh, he would buy his clothes. And so Johnny wore a lot of polyester. <laughs> so when you have a cigarette, wow. and Bob knows this, he had two cigarettes going at all times because you couldn't light a cigarette when you're doing play by play. So you have to have the other one on the on deck circle. So that's what he would do. And that's why he got into trouble and lit himself on fire uh, many times. And it dropped on his, it dropped on his lap that first night in the, uh, in the garden. And the thing just melted down. It was just a total meltdown. <laughs> and here's the worst part. And I do remember this. Well, <clears throat> Celtics won the game. So Johnny was ecstatic and you guys know Johnny was a, a mess if they lost, but he was ecstatic when they won. But he had to walk out of the garden that night with this gigantic hole right here in his crotch. It was just <laughs> wide open. So, <laughs> and I put it out. I put it out with cold coffee. There was coffee sitting there. I didn't know what else to do. I was not tapping it. I was not doing that. So I poured the cold coffee on. The things but you the, did for the company. Oh, my God, Bob. But the very next night, he did the same thing in Cleveland. I think it was Steve Bullpett who put the fire out that night. Um, but he did the same exact thing in Cleveland. And I remember another 
night we were in Dallas and Texas was one of the last uh, states to kind of outlaw smoking in public buildings, but they had just done it. And so the stadies were all over the building and they were really cracking down. You got all these Texans with the big cowboy hats and they want their cigarettes. And now suddenly you banned all the cigarettes. Well, you also had a play-by-play announcer from the Boston Celtics who was a chain smoker, four or five packs a day. So he goes in there, and he's smoking his cigarette. And they came over and told him he couldn't do it. And finally, Jan Volk, who was the general manager at the time, has to come over and say, hey, Johnny, they won't let you smoke here. You can't do it. Okay? They, they passed a new law. And so they can't do it. And they go, ah, okay, babe, okay, babe. And then about five minutes later, after he's, he's sitting in the, the dining room, he's back smoking again. And wouldn't you know it? God damn it. They arrested him. They <laughs> really? arrested him. We're, we're 10 minutes, 15 minutes away from game time. He's arrested. So <clears throat> I have to go on the air to open up the, the, the broadcast, the game. And this is sacrilegious to Johnny. You, only Johnny can say, here I am, babe, high above courtside or directly at courtside. That was his signature. Nobody else touches it. I'm a younger broadcaster. I'm sitting there saying, what the hell do I do here? <laughs> so I, I said, I've got to open up the broadcast. And so I did. And I said, funny little thing happened on the way to, to the arena here tonight. <laughs> I tried to explain Johnny's been arrested. <laughs> and so I, I started the broadcast. We're three, four minutes into the broadcast. And I look down over to my right, and there Johnny is walking in, and he's, you know, carrying the arm, the arm swinging, and he's all pissed. You can see it. His face is all lit up. And Jan Vokes helping him, you know, back over to the spot. He gets over there, and he gets on the broadcast, and he starts screaming. And he goes, 50,000 armed robberies are being committed right now. 20,000 rapes. And all they give a shit about here is stopping me from smoking. <laughs> it was unbelievable. Unbelievable. And all that night, it was like McFilthy, McNasty, McDallas became the thing he hated the most. And he just ranted about Dallas. But as you guys know, he was just so entertaining. Oh, it was. was Really unpredictable. Um, in his earlier days, I thought, Bob, and you may remember this, I thought his play-by-play -play in his early days from a technical standpoint was terrific. I think later on he kind of said, I'm going to become the character. I'm going to become, you know, um, this, this cartoon. And yeah, it better for my career. He definitely realized where the money was and, yeah. uh, and where the entertainment was, and, and he morphed into that. For sure. My only story was this. Well, I have two of them, but it's just a quick one. It has to do with Philadelphia. Uh, first of all, there were two voices that were not heard in this last series. <laughs> Dave Zinkoff and Johnny Mose, right? Hated Zinkoff. PA, PA guy for the 76ers. Yes, he hated him. Unbelievable. And, and most. But this was at the Garden, Glenn. This was a regular season game. I have no idea. Mm -hmm. It could have been against Minnesota. I don't know. There's one thing I do know is that Johnny didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> when we sat down to do the broadcast, that he, um, I'm just holding the papers for him and trying to, you know, calm him down. Like, I'm not trying to take your job, John. You know, I'm not, I'm, you know, this was. He came on and said, tonight the Celtics are about to do basketball battle against. Says nothing. <laughs> no idea who they were playing that night. Doesn't surprise me. None. I know. So, so this is what, it was not surprise me. One of those great things. No, uh, he, he was not the most, uh, what would you say, the most well-prepared <laughs> for that game that night. And uh, I think that's why we kind of played off each other really well. Uh, and I'll tell you one more, and that was when we were over in Madrid, and it was the first McDonald's open in 1987. And so I'm the, you know, going to the practices, doing what you guys do. And uh, funny thing, walking into Yugoslavian locker room the first day, and all the guys are smoking cigarettes in the locker room, freaked me out. You know, <laughs> I saw Yaz do it a few times, but nobody else, you know. And, um, so I kept on, I, I went home that night 
and the names were like, because they gave us rosters, they gave us bio information on all these guys. I said, John, you, you really need to come out to practice tomorrow and you need to spend some time. We've got an interpreter. He's great. And he'll give you the names and you really need to know these names. You're, this is going to be a problem. And he goes, ah, okay, I'm okay, babe. I'm okay, babe. And he was madly in love with the woman that he, the, his last wife of five or whatever they were. <laughs> and he, um, uh, he was taking her. <laughs> I know I'm, I'm similar. Yeah, right. he, yeah. But he had to go buy cosmetics for her because she needed her makeup. So he said to me, I, I can't go, babe. I can't go. You go, you take care of it. You take care of the names. I'm sitting there going, wait a minute. How the hell am I going to take care of the names? She's doing the play by play. How am I going to take care of the names? That's what we did. He did the play by play. The tall guy goes over to the bearded guy, over to the short guy, and I interjected the names. It's on Marv Albert's uh, bloopers tape, so you can see it there. But the the whole game, that was my role, to interject the names of the players because he had no idea, didn't care. Okay. Geek character. Jason Tatum. Yeah. Comes, out of the, comes up to a reporter after game six. Yep. After – the, the miracle comeback of scoring one point and then, you know, lighting it up uh, in, in game in the fourth quarter. Yeah. The reporter, yep. she asked a legitimate question. How does one become, how does one actually do that? Score one point and then all of a sudden unload. Jason Tatum then says, I'm one of the top basketball players in the world. Why shouldn't I be able to do that? Now, okay, I've talked to a few people about that. They really were upset that Tatum said that. Why? What's that? I loved it. I loved this it. what I want to hear. Because, you know, there's Bird never would have said stuff yes, like that. Yes, he would. He would all the time. No, he would have said, I, you're not going to beat me. He, he would have no, said, you're not going to no, Bird me. would say he is the best player of them all. I've heard him say it. I, 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 I love that attitude. The guys I that I worry about, are the ones when they they have a shaky game and maybe they light it up in the fourth quarter, they're unsure of what they just did. He realized what he just did. He realized that he's still a great player, that, you know, the shots just didn't go in. And he kept with it. I think to me, I, I'm watching Tatum now really blossom and really mature. And I think that's what he was lacking. I love his game. I think when it's all said and done, he's 25, Bob. When it's well, all said and done, we're going to be talking about him with with Russell, Bird, and maybe ahead of Havlicek, maybe ahead of a few other guys. When it's all said and done, ahead of Pierce, when it's all said and done, he's that good. But he doesn't up until this point, and I still worry about it in these next two series, about closing games. How do you close games? There was nobody better than Bird closing games. Magic, damn good at closing games. Jordan, do you not say anymore? That was the one thing that he's missing. And I think he's finally figuring it out. I do. Why, why, haven't, why hasn't Boston embraced him the way they embrace all their other legends? Is he still on trial? Is this still a probationary period for him? No, it's social media. Everything's changed. What do you think it'd be like with Bird in this era with social media? It'd be much different. The, the stuff that you and I dealt with is was so different in the old days compared to now. Everybody's got a voice out there. You know, you guys had broadcast positions at 6 and 11 o'clock at night. You were the voices of the people. I was doing radio and the, the, the voice of the people. Now, other than, you know, the Butch from the Cape and a few others, Everybody's got a voice out there now. They can tweet out there, and there are celebrities that will actually respond to them and comment. So I think it's all changed. I think the city has changed, too. <clears throat> I don't think the city's nearly as difficult, certainly with the media. We go back to Cliff Claff, and we can talk about guys that were really tough, okay, really tough guys with the media. You don't have much of that anymore and it's because we all grew up in boston 
when we were waiting for 86 years, not all 86, but we were waiting for 86 years for the Red Sox to win. The Patriots yep. sucked. They were terrible. There were 25,000 people that went down there. I don't know if either one of you guys ever did a, a live shot down there on Sunday. There was nobody down there. Okay. None of these teams were winning. And now suddenly you've had 20 years of the most unbelievable era in the history of any city with sports. And it, I, it will never be duplicated. I'm convinced. Never. Well, certainly another thing that won't be duplicated is the Monday through Friday, 6 o'clock and 11 o'clock sportscast because we all no. know that's changed. You guys break stories. I don't know if yes, young kids know today. You Breaking break stories. stories. Yes. Well, yes. We, you guys, you, Kirby <laughs> signing with the Red Sox? Here you go. I mean, those were unbelievable. But that that job, guys, it still exists. But does it really? I mean, does it really? I mean, you guys put effort into it. You know, you had different approaches. Who are, these, who are the fans, Glenn? If not the ones that were always there, who are these fans? Well, the fans too that used to Other watch Roger Kraft in a Celtics seventh game. Yeah, but who the. Are the, who are these fans? Yeah, but the the fans that watched you in all of those years, those were hardcore sports fans. But how many other vehicles were out there, you know, to to really watch sports, to see what was going on with the local sports? Wasn't out there, guys. So you had a diverse sports audience, old to young. TV, local TV newscast right now, you know what the audience is. They're, you know, 70 and above. And I'm over 70 and I don't watch them. You know, it's all changed. What the jobs that you had were the premier jobs. You would, you two guys, they were the highest paid guys at the time in the sports business locally in the town because it was the premier job. And then it changed. And then sports radio kind of pivoted and that became the number, the top slot. And it's all different now. Now, it's, you know, Joe Rogan, if you got a podcast, if you're, you know, you're, you're reaching three, four or 5 million people, but like everything else, it, it just society evolves. I don't know where it's going to go, uh, you know, 10, 10 years from now. Glenn, what, what did this, what did this, the, the, um, the uh, portable phone, the uh, cell phone, what did it do for your business? Well, I, I, I think it changed everybody's business. Do you remember when Larry Bird got into the fight in the, uh, in the playoffs and at the Chelsea's? Chelsea's? Yeah. Yeah. Could you could you imagine if that happened now? Yeah. To an athlete it, it, with a broken arm or whatever with those phones? Instant, instantly, right? Everybody yeah. would have it. And what would happen <clears throat> to its reputation? I mean, you're seeing it with John Morant right now. I, I don't think he's the first uh, professional athlete to be wielding a gun out there. The difference is it, it's being videotaped. And the dumbass is actually putting it up on his own social media channels, which is pretty, pretty dumb. But not I think it's very bright. I think it changed everything, Lynchy. I mean, hey, it, Glenn, let me say, I can remember with doing Upton when we were doing the Upton Bell yep. show, you know, uh, six to eight or whatever, yep. whatever it was. You don't remember the hours? I do remember. It was six to eight. I, I, I know the four, five, four, five, six, seven, eight. Okay. Yeah. I got you that. Yeah. We got a phone call from uh, Bob Wolf from his car. It was like a revelation. It's like the first time it had ever happened. We had gotten a phone call. Oh, those big, those big phones, chunky phones. Yeah. <laughs> Bob Wolf in his car. And it, it never stopped after that. I'm just saying yeah. that's, you know, once that whole line of communication opened up, you didn't have to worry about getting phone calls. Well, you changed didn't... everything. Yeah, changed everything. Yeah, those phones change everything. And you talk about the business of breaking stories or, or knowing what's going on. Well, you always, you just raised it when she, everybody always carries it with them. In the old days, we had a home phone. So if yep. you weren't at home or you weren't at work and many, whoever answered their phone at, at work, nobody ever did that. So you would never get the phone call. Never. Chris Berman is the only one that I know. Huh. that still doesn't utilize the cell phone still does not <laughs> utilize it. I don't know how he does it. 
He's got a flip yeah. phone or something, right? He has a what? He still uh, has a flip phone. Yeah. And he, but he never uses it. He never uses the phone. <laughs> hey, let's take, let's take a quick, quick, oh, quick, you want to do a quick, quick commercial? How dare you? Yeah, I'll do a quick one right here because I know everybody's getting kind of hungry right here. Right. You know that the grilling season is here, uh -oh. and so it's right here in New England. You know what that means. It Anything means it's I time for a box. What, right there. Good. Right there. Bob's got a whole box. You got a box of them, Bob. I only got one. Well, I'm sorry, Mike. That's the way it goes. Why uh, do you get a dozen? I get, I get one. Well, and it's my one. turn. You got Not one fair. burger, Lindsay? One burger? I, I got one burger. He gets the whole box. Oh, my God. That's it. It's a big burger. Well, it's time for a box, if you Bob Lobel, of our best burgers in your freezer. Yes. Whether in your backyard or a weekend adventure, enjoy flavorful burgers from our best lunch, our best, our best people for lunch or dinner. Our best burgers have been a New England staple for over 40 years, connecting family, friends with great quality food. We're lucky affordable. They're affordable, wealthy, and one, they're affordable. Bob, Bob could pay more than we did, so he gets a dozen. They're convenient, and most of all, they're delicious. Look for the smiling chef. Now, where's the smiling chef, Bob? You know where he is? Yeah, it's right there. Right there in the corner. Hold it up. Hold it up. Oh, come on. Yeah. We, we call him Pablo Bell. And I'll tell you that story that? in a second, Glenn. Look for the smiling chef on every package in your local grocer's freezer. For great recipes and money-saving coupons, go to ourbestfoods.com. Now, see, that? The, Is see, it the, um, see the uh, smiling chef? We've named him Pablo, like on Boomtown, Pablo Bell. Yeah. So one year we were going to Winter Haven Spring Train, and you know, Channel 5 sent me and a photographer, but Channel 4 sent a cast of thousands, naturally, because they had, you know, the most money and everything. So uh -huh. everybody in this Bob Lobel's crew has checked into the Holiday Inn. It's a reservation for everybody except for one guy. Take, take it from there, Robert. Well, the one guy that they had no reservation for was Bob Lobel. However, sure, he took it well. List, <laughs> we're able to locate a Pablo Bell. <laughs> They were able to book me into his room. So they wrote it down. Whenever whoever called up and made the reservations, they, they interpreted it as Pablo Bell, not Pablo Bell. And so he sat around all afternoon long for like quarter of six while everyone else was showered, ready to go for the six o'clock news. And you know, he's you know not happy. Not a happy camper. <laughs> Glenn, why is the Laker Celtic impending matchup the most attractable, if not the only attractable matchup in the NBA. Oh now. my God. Oh my God. Now you're getting me excited. 17 championships, Lakers. I don't care. You can't default them because they won a couple of them in Minneapolis. Okay. We're not playing that game. Celtics, if you want the true story, we remember it. Actually, became the Buffalo Braves and then the Los Angeles Clippers. Okay. So let's not they through a charter swap or whatever. <laughs> so let's not get into that crap. They've got 17 and you've got 17. The winner of this is now going to be the number one franchise in the history of the league, at least temporarily. Correct. It's got everything. It's got stars. It's got LeBron. Anthony Davis is playing. I don't know if it's going to continue because he gets hurt all the time. But right now, he's playing out of his mind. And then you've got the young Celtics, a deeper team than the Lakers. I think the Celtics are going to win this thing this year. I do. I think that they're, they're stumbling here because they just are trying to find their way. But I think they're the most talented team in the league. I think offensively, they can pour it on when they want. They can put 130 up any given night. And defensively, I don't think they're as good as last year's team was but when they want to play that defense they can't so if they can flip the switch and play that defense when they have to they will but you're right bob how great would that be celtics and the lakers and now jack's back sitting in his front row seats again right. be great never forget we were out there we were all out there i think it might have been the, the night that ml Carr got the thing thrown in his face but uh it was halftime and nicholson is sitting in his seat and we're walking by with a camera, and I hold the microphone down to him, and he just points up toward the scoreboard. The <laughs> Lakers were leading, and it's unbelievable. All the other celebs. Yeah, with well, the Celtics, I think it was – I want to think it was 84. Maybe it was a different year. I think it was 84. And they're going back and forth in the series, 
and the Celtics are flying commercial those days. So it had to be earlier years. <clears throat> and they've got all the first class on one of these big, you know, jumbo jets and whatever. And all of us are up in first class and there's one available seat still in first class. And just before we're ready to take off, who do you think walks in <laughs> the plane and sits in that seat? It was Jack Nicholson. And so the players were all over him. So then they played the movie in there. Where's the movie where, you know, his wife had cancer. Remember that? Uh, oh, movie? Uh, Terms of Endearment. Terms of Endearment is the movie that they play. <laughs> and I remember Dennis Johnson, who hated flying. As DJ would always uh, uh, tell people, I turn white on planes. I just do. But he was sitting there just all over Jack Nicholson. Finally, <laughs> finally, Nicholson got a blanket, put it over his head, fell asleep, and just wouldn't talk to anybody. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Yeah, there was nothing like it. I mean, you know, we, we, you'd, you'd get to the arena. You know, in the old days, I mean, real old days, like you'd get there, you know, an hour before your live shot. But when the when, the, when you were the uh, Lakers were playing, you got there four hours oh, yeah. the minute they opened the door because you just yeah. want to see every single person that walked through that door. There was a story with almost every single person walking through the door. Yeah, see, I think it's fitting because you look at it from the days that we're talking about. Then you look at 08 and what happened then. And now to get that opportunity in 23 with this young crew. And I say young because they still are. I mean, Tatum is 25. You guys remember Bird broke into the league. He was 23. And a month later, on December 7th of his rookie season, he turned 24. And yeah. we're looking now at Tatum. He's been around forever. Yeah. And he's 25, a year yeah. Older than where Larry was. Maxwell, Parrish, uh, yeah. DJ, they were all. Remember Max going into the forum looking for those Rambus oh glasses? Oh my, oh my God. <laughs> it's either, God. Was he the greatest? One of these Rambus youth. Oh. That's what they were. They were a, a youth, Rambus youth group that always wore Rambus glasses. Yeah. And yeah. Max said, let me see some of those Rambus glasses. Yeah. Nobody had more fun with it than, I would say, Maxwell and ML Carr. Those yeah. are the two guys that had more fun with that. I'm not sure you've got any of these guys, because let's face it, Grant Williams is really not much of a player. You know, he's not a yeah. part of your rotation right now. And he's the only guy, I think, that's got that type of person that personality that could play with. So you're not going to get that. And LeBron is LeBron. You're not going to get any of that. But, boy, it would be something because number 18 would be on the line for both teams, which is incredible. Uh, uh, by the seven, uh, Miami? What's no that? They don't get, there's, there's no way they don't get by and pass Miami. I, 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 listen, Bob, what the hell do I know? I, I thought they were going to win in four or five against Philly. I mean, Embiid yeah. – was a shell of himself with the knee injury. He doesn't play in game one and you have a letdown and lose to them without Embiid. And you already get yourself in a hole when you lose one of those home games. The great thing about having home court advantage is if you win those first two games, all of the pressure goes to those other guys. They don't only have to win one in their building. They've got to win two. All you have to do is steal one. And then you, you've got a short series of five game series, but I don't think so. Bam Adebayo has not had a, Really good season. He's been much better in the playoffs. Butler is a great playoff player and great moment player, but uh, Hero is is injured. He broke his his hand, so he can't shoot. He can't play right now. I don't think so. I, I but again, this team just when you think they're ready to turn that corner, they suddenly stumble a little bit. I know, and and. Well I think they're probably going to do that. I think we're going to probably look at at least one, maybe two games in the series in which we're going to sit there and say, what the bleep did they do? How did they blow that game? What are they doing? They're the better it, team. You know, it's, it's amazing how our, um, our emotions turn every game. Well, well, they, they lost home number one. They stink. They choke. Uh, it's going to be a double choke, the Bruins and the Celtics. Then they win the next game. Whoa, they're back. They're going to win the championship. Every single game. It's a different swing of emotions. And I just can't remember if it's social media again or what. I, I just media. can't imagine 
you know, well, you go back to that series in 81 where they were down to Philly three games to one. I mean, nobody ever counted the Celtics out in that series. Nobody ever wrote about them or talked about them as being all over and washed up. Yeah, social media. I mean, the coverage is is dramatic out there. Plus, there's everything. You go up and down the dial, whether it's radio, whether it's Sirius XM, uh, whether it's podcast, whatever, TV, network TV. Sports is everywhere. I mean, it, it, it's everywhere. So it's a different world. I, I, did, I look back at it, and we thought we were – uh, you know, there was a lot of sports and a lot of, of shows and stuff, right? We thought it because the generation before three us, channels. exactly, there was three channels, nobody had anything. <laughs> but you look at it now, and I look back and say, man, it's a different world. And of course, I, I, I felt it as part of what I was doing every day in, in radio and social media has really, it's just, I think it's changed the world, changed Glenn, the world, everything. What happened? I don't want to bring up any, uh, you know, untoward stuff, and uh, but I am really curious as to what it was. The big show, it was the big station, it was EEI. What the fuck happened? I like that. I like the way he played with that. Um, <laughs> I think it's it's a long story, but it is a, a fascinating one that hopefully somebody will someday uh, write a about it um because i i've never i i don't think we've ever seen anything like it where a station becomes a legacy station like that and self-destructs and i'm not trying to take anything away from the guys at 98.5 as you guys know most of those guys worked with me as yeah. part of the big show so I, they're still friends and they're talented guys i'm not trying to take anything away but the management at EEI absolutely destroyed this thing. They destroyed it. And they started way back with the big show when they tried to cut everything. That radio station was billing about $50 million. We were on AM billing $50 million. And the first thing they did is start coming in and cut, cut, cut. Not because they needed it for us. They needed it for their other radio stations. So you had a big company in Andrecom. They own 285 stations. They want to take it out of this pot and hand it over to that. That was the first mistake they made. I was shocked the day that I came in and they told me um, that Pete Shepard was going to be fired. I, you got to be shitting me. What are we doing here? What are we doing? Okay. And it got worse over the years. And then, but they were also... That management was also stubborn, stubborn, real stubborn. And to the point of you guys have seen this with management, I'm sure, over the years. You know, they think they know everything. And we're out there talking to the people and we have an idea of what the people want. And so what they ended up doing is 98.5 comes on, on, on the air. Matter of fact, Mark Cannon, terrific guy. He's now part of Entercom uh, or Odyssey. Uh, but he was the guy that was working with that station with CBS. I was negotiating with 98.5 before they were a radio station. My contract had come due. CBS put the project on a hole for a year. I was not going to go for a year unemployed. So I took the, the, the deal at EEI. But the idea that Mark Cannon had, we're going to put it on FM. We're going to put it on a clear signal in stereo. You're not going to lose it when you go under, you know, those overpasses or whatever. It was a great idea. And it was and and we were on AM in which people couldn't necessarily hear it or hear it well. People forget that. 8:50 AM right now was the signal we had when we were getting 18, 19, 20 shares. It is now a station that is getting a zero, zero, nothing. So that was the first mistake that they made on not going to FM and sitting there going, we need, we don't need to go to FM. We're the king. Let them go on FM. We don't need to do it. Stupidity. And we were all pissing and moaning about it. We were furious about it. And then you can look on from deals beyond that. They got in bed with the Red Sox. They got a $200 million rates uh, deal with the Red Sox. So they had to kiss the Red Sox ass. They had to come in and calm us down when we were sitting there saying, 
but we love the Red Sox. We want the Red Sox to win, but you gotta give them shit if they're not playing well. If the if the organization is screwing up, you've got to do it. They didn't want to do it. And the funny thing about it is, through all of the mistakes that they made through the years, and they fired me, they fired Dale Arnold, they fired me. I was number two in my shift. The, the other guys were beating me. There was no uh, question about it. I was number two. The afternoon drive program right now, I think, is tied for 14th, okay, on EEI, all right? So they fired me. They fired Dale Arnold a, a year before, and the station was was in the, the, the doldrums, and then they rejuvenated it again because Kirk Menahan, who's a crazy man, I love him dearly, but he's also really smart and understands this stuff and is extremely entertaining. So he combines with Jerry. They bring the whole thing back with Dino. And suddenly, look at the, the ratings, 2017, 2018. They bring me back. We're back to number one. We're beating 98.5. We're on FM, a shitty FM signal. 93.7 is a bad signal. 98.5 is a, a terrific signal. And what do they do? They start blowing it all up. And here's where I knew it ended. We were at a, a meeting with, with a corporate people and they were all upset because the advertisers i think duncan donuts or had just quit or they, they were losing some sponsors because of some of the controversy that was uh, stoked up with minahan and with callahan and they had this activist guy by the name of bob murchison who was out there calling advertisers and trying to bury them okay bury eei and by the way congratulations he did give him credit he buried him. He's a wealthy guy, and he buried him. And so now I go to this corporate meeting, and in the meeting they told us to tame everything down. I remember it like it was yesterday. I remember everybody's look around the room. We would rather have you guys fifth in the ratings with no controversy than be number one and have all of this controversy. We can't deal with any of this controversy. Guys, that right there was the final nails on the coffin of WEEI. Absolutely. I mean, that, that's what talk radio is, controversy. And if you're, not, if you're not controversial, you're not successful. Yeah, I've had it's people ask that. me. I've had people ask me in there, in EEI, what do you think EEI needs to, to do right now? I said, what you need to do is you need to make waves. You need to have somebody stand up there with a pair and make some waves right now. That's what you need to do to draw people over. You're not going to get anybody's attention if you're sitting there just carefully positioning everything so that you don't hurt anybody. It's not going to work. But and it's a when, shame. When, when did you learn? Because you, you were the master at it, Glenn. You were the master talk show host. You knew, you, you knew when to stir things up. You knew when to, 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 to calm things down. Was it all through experience? Was it something you learned? Did you did you did someone take you pull you aside? Did you listen to somebody? Is it a combination of everybody you you were around uh, your entire life? So so when we put together the big show and and when I put it together, you remember the show Voice of Sports that was on? Yes. You, yes. Okay. So and it was three or four different guys, writers yeah. and uh, Jeff Horgan and um, who else? He, uh, Leo Egan. Leo, uh, we, yeah. Yep. And so that was a tamer version of what we were going to do, but it was guys sitting around like in a bar and talking about sports. The element I think that we needed to add is it was a different generation. We needed to add the entertainment angle of it. And we needed to have something that they didn't have in those days because they all got along so well. We needed people fighting and, and getting into it or whatever. So I laugh when people have, um, stereotyped me with that big show as always playing the fence. That's correct. I always played the fence because if Buckley was saying something and I wanted to inject a, an argument with him and Felger, I would take Felger's position just to get Buckley pissed off so that I could get the two to go at it each other. That's the job when you're the host and sitting in that number one chair, that was my job to do it. So, yeah, I learned on the fly, Lynchy. Like, don't we learn most stuff on the fly? Yeah. I mean, we like okay, to say, here's, well, here's, here's the comeback strategy, okay? It's called LOL. 
Lynch Ordway Lobel. There you go, Bobby. <laughs> there you go. LOL. Tell the burger people we need them. <laughs> hey, you know what? It's a good opportunity right now to say if you're thinking about a new vehicle, a new car, there's only one place to go, the place where Lobie and I go. Go see our friend George Gray at George Gray's Lexington Toyota. We've been customers for years because we know George Gray will treat you right. And that is absolutely right. They're a family-owned and operated dealership that we trust and you can trust as well. Go see the great George Gray at Lexington Toyota. You will not be disappointed. You'll make a friend for life and George and all those great people that work there. Um, all right. Let me go. Uh, uh, the other day, uh, and Jim Burke brought this up the other day, as soon as the game ended, Robert Kraft went out and it was hugging and speaking in the oh, year of Jason Taylor when the game ended. Did that bother you at all? Uh, not really. Because, uh, again, guys, look at some of the people that are out there on the floor. If you're sitting in those front row seats, I mean, Donnie Wahlberg is out there on the floor, you know, after games. He's sitting in the front seat. I, it's so different today you know we're we're looking back at at our era and we're looking back at you just didn't do stuff like this you know you just don't yeah. do stuff like this no but i don't. think it's just it's just so different you know the craft no, sitting there like that but he's no. an old man he knows what he should be doing and what he shouldn't be doing yeah he just you guys know him i mean he's he just wants to be loved and he yeah. wants, he wants right. to, to Jason Tatum to know he loves him. I mean, look at this years ago with Kraft and I, I've known Kraft. I can't tell you how long you guys probably met him the same time I did when he owned the uh, Lobster. Lobster. lobsters, yeah. the, the world team tennis. Remember that? And yeah. you know, he'd be out there every day and he would be like a PR guy. He'd be running up to me and he'd be trying to get me to get him on the show and stuff like that. I mean, look back at that and I, I laugh now because he's, you know, one of the, the wealthiest owners and one of the most powerful people in sports. And I remember him running around just trying to get my attention. And I'm a young kid, you know, at the time, 23, 24 years old. But look at, did you ever think that he'd be in the circles of Meek Mill and, and people like this? I mean, these, these, these rap artists and whatever, because I'm not sure, even though he keeps on talking about all of these artists, not sure he's listening in the car in the back seat. <laughs> any of their stuff. It's just a guess on my part. But oh, the, he's not, he, he, they're not on his playlist. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I don't think it is. But, but I think he wants to get along with everybody, and he loves being in that scene, and he loved being in the Trump scene until it became unpopular in Massachusetts, and he couldn't run farther further away from that. He just that, that's him. That's his personality and i'm saying it affectionately i love him i think it's great what he did with this franchise because you you guys know as well as i do this franchise without him would not be in new england we would not have had an nfl football franchise so does bill parcells belong in the patriots hall of fame i think he does and i took so much shit i tweeted it out i couldn't believe it these young no, patriot fans just delete him Ridiculous. He, he anybody belongs in that Hall of Fame. It's him. Yeah, and I'm not taking away from Vrabel. I mean, Vrabel is very deserving of it. And maybe now they're going to have to make some alterations into the process. When you go through a 20-year time frame with the greatest football that's ever been played, you have to open it up to more than, like, one guy, don't you? Yeah. Or, or we're going to be handing them out to guys when they're, they're dead and buried, which wouldn't be fair. But I think Parcells and I'm not, why don't you do separate categories for that or whatever? Because he was important and he did make a mistake that Super Bowl week. I'm thoroughly convinced of that. Even though Willie McDonough to the, his last uh, dying day. High drama, high said, drama. Said it was, he was perfectly fine in what he did. Um, <laughs> it wasn't, we know that, but he, he, he really churn, turned this thing around. He really did. And people say Bledsoe, and I'm not taking away from Bledsoe because he's part of it. But again, where would this franchise be without Bill Parcells? And I know people say, because um, they were all over me with it, well, Kraft still would have bought the team. No, I'm not sure about that. Kraft had intentions of buying the team. 
But Kraft didn't have the type of wealth or credit that he has these days. You know, matter of fact, um, in, a, in a story that was written about this, who was the banker? Why can't I even remember the banker from uh, Bank of Boston at the time became Chad, uh, Gifford. Chad Gifford. Chad Gifford. Chad yeah. Gifford. Chad Gifford admitted that if it weren't for the Patriots having that upsurge where suddenly people were interested in them, he never would have been able to give that type of money to Bob Kraft because you're, you're giving it to a franchise that already went bankrupt because Chuck Sullivan was trying to support the, the Michael Jackson tour that was the complete bomb. <laughs> and so now Chad Gifford is going to represent his bank and sit here and say, sure, we'll give you, uh, you know, $180 million. But because the franchise suddenly had turned it around because of Bill Parcells, it became a commodity. It had real value to it. And so, therefore, you had a bank that was willing to give Bob Kraft that money. Because I think Kraft all along was going to buy the franchise, but he might not have been able to pull it off financially. All right. You're absolutely. He may, not, he may have had two or three partners with him. He never would have been able to do it himself. Correct. Um, all right. Who do we like? Celtics? What, where are we going with this? Now that we're, uh, I told you they're going to win the whole thing. You're going to win the whole thing. Do I sound like a homer now? Yeah, but it's okay. the whole thing. It's all right. You know, Number 18. I, I just think they're the best team, Bob. I, I do. And I know I that, we're no, looking I, at a lot of the flaws, but I watch a lot of basketball in the West Coast. The one thing, yeah, when you move to the to the, the West Coast, the games are on at 4 o'clock, 4.30 in the afternoon. Football begins at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning and the overseas games at like 6 o'clock. I watch more sports now than I've ever watched before. And I still love the NBA. I watch a lot of the NBA. So Denver is really good. And the Joker is great. He's legitimately the best player in, in, in the league. And Jamal Murray is back to where he was in the year of the bubble. He's very, very good. And they've got a few other players that certainly can have an impact, but you can't let the Joker both pass the ball. Cause that's what he does. He's a point guard and also score the ball. So if he's going to do that, then you're screwed. But if you can cut off one, you might have something there. And they have a tendency to fall on their face every once in a while, like the Celtics do. And I just, I, I find it hard to believe that these old Lakers, the more games they play, aren't they going to get a little bit tired here eventually? Isn't it going to wear them down a little bit? See, I see it the other way. I see them like the uh, 69 Celtics, you know, just – Sort of coast and get in the playoffs, like the like the Islanders used to do, and the Oilers used to do in the eighties. Just just get in the tournament and then just crank it up. And that that's I'm, yeah, but they I'm were a, they were a mess though, Lynchy, all season long. And a matter of fact, at the end, they relied on everybody but LeBron because LeBron was hurt, and that's when they got it together. This kid yeah. Reeves, I think, opened up their their offense, his three point uh, scoring. Uh, Russell bring bringing him in. Uh, they made the right moves. I'm not yeah. saying they're not legit. So let me throw this one out at you because I was having this conversation with old Boston friends here a couple of weeks ago, and they won't go there. I love Larry Bird. You guys love Larry Bird. When you look at the overall food chain, and we got Michael Jordan number one, LeBron's got to be number two. And I'm sorry, Larry's below him now. He's above Larry Bird. He's doing stuff at the later stages of his career that to me, because you've got to run up and down the court every single night, is more impressive than what Tom Brady, and we know how great that has been, more impressive than what Tom Brady is doing at 44 and 45. It is. It's no, I amazing. I agree with that, Glenn. I mean, seriously, the reality is it is what it is. Your eyeballs are the test. I mean, there's no question what LeBron James is doing is unprecedented. And forever and will probably be unprecedented. I mean, there's just going to be nobody that's going to catch up to him. It's his personality. I think that, you know, if you love him, if he's on your team, one of those, if he's on the other team, certainly Boston fans can't stand him. That's the other thing. If you talk about a Celtics Laker matchup, can you imagine the crowds, what they're going yeah. to be like? Oh, yeah. There's, there's always been a villain. Celtics yes. hated, who did the Celtics fans hated? On the hate on the Lakers more than anybody else before. 
who did they hate on the Lakers? Yeah, before LeBron. Who you know? Was it Jabbar? Was it Magic? Was it uh, James Worthy? Was it uh, Kobe? You know, Rambus. Was it just? Yeah, the Kobe, the Kobe stuff. They didn't really. When you look at it, weren't they like chanting his name at the Boston Garden? Do I not remember a game where Beat they LA. were doing that? Right. I think you remember Beat LA. No, no, the Beat LA. I remember from '84, but. Kobe Bryant in the garden was beloved. I don't think they gave him a, a hard time. Now, in the course of the motion of the game, they might have, but nothing like Rambus and 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 those guys, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. I, I think that that the 76ers were um, you know, right up there with the top rival with the Lakers. Yeah. 76ers had a villain every year. Every year they had a villain. So you pick one. And, Andrew uh, Tony. Andrew Tony, World Be Free, um, you, you name them. They, they uh, Steve Mix. They always had somebody they could yeah. they could stand. But the Lakers seemed like they always had nice guys. You know, I mean, you didn't hate anybody on the on the on the West Baylor uh, Chamberlain uh, uh, group. You didn't hate anybody on the uh, Magic group. You didn't hate anybody in the 08 group. And there's you know, LeBron might be the first guy that gets openly booed as a Laker. In a, in a series against the Celtics. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because I watched that whole Showtime uh, yeah. series. Did you watch that? You guys yeah, watch I did. it? Yeah. Okay. And I agree with you about not hating the Lakers. I hated the Lakers after I watched that. And by the way, by the way, yeah, it was a poorly produced show. Oh, uh, Bob, there was so much bullshit in there that just didn't make the, the treatment of Jerry West. Absolutely. I don't know if you guys spend any time with Jerry West, but a wonderful guy. I mean, just I'm a sitting there like, this is not the same Jerry West I know. Poorly produced show. The, the Last Dance was far much better. Oh, than Last me. Dance was tremendous. But that was a documentary. This is, you know, acting. and yeah. uh, But I just thought they, they just made it up. You know, yeah, and throw, Riley throw was the great. Uh, through the window, but yeah, through the uh, was it the world championship or the, oh, the MVP award? He threw through yeah. the uh, didn't never happen, yeah, yeah. So they made stuff up, <laughs> it's just made stuff up, yeah, that was too bad. Um, God, I see you still got the panic button, huh? I got it, buddy. Still there. How the often do you use it? Every Not for sports, but for your own life. I'm on play. <laughs> hey, let me let me ask you this one. Um, this was brought up yesterday. Patriots are opening their season at home with the Super Bowl Philadelphia Eagles. Is this a bad time to have Tom Brady Day when Mac Jones is probably entering his most important do-or-die season and he's going to now have to go out and face you know the crowd that's just been whipped into a frenzy with Tom Brady there? I think it's just bad, bad timing. Yeah, that's a good point. I never... Um thought of it that way but so my guess is and you tell me that Kraft because it wasn't Bill Kraft probably had a conversation with Tom and said we want to do this thing for you Tommy and when can we do it and they he probably worked off of Brady's schedule that would be my guess but is this going to be it so you're just going to do something like before the game or at halftime Does so I always the Patriots Hall of Fame I think he. I think he's going to make it, Bob. Votes <laughs> might be close. Hey, Parcells might have a shot. One, the year Brady said, <laughs> might have a shot. But wouldn't you think they would do the same thing that they've done over the years with, like Bird, where they had a yeah. separate night for him and Jordan yeah. had a separate night? Why Tom Brady is as great as Orr was in the, in this town, as great as Bird was, as great as Russell was. You can make a legitimate argument. That based on the sport and the, the the duration of time or whatever, that Tom Brady is the greatest uh, yeah. sports athlete of, of all time in Boston. How do you not do a special night? You could sell it out. If huh. Taylor Swift is getting thirteen hundred bucks a ticket, what do you think you're going to get for Brady night? Absolutely, absolutely. Have, have it at the Garden or someplace like you that. You fill the you stadium know, up. You're down there at George Stadium. Half the people uh, in, in the red seats are going to be inside, still eating and drinking. Then we're going to see. Um, well, they show up the, halfway through the third quarter. They're, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Stop <laughs> picking uh, on them. You know, it's going to be quick. I mean, you know, it's a football stadium. It's a bad place to have something when you're 
when you're honoring one or two people. It's just too big. You can't do it. And and not and the other thing is the Mac Jones factor. I think that's a good point. I never thought of that. It's a good really point. unfair to Mac yeah. Jones. I mean, he's going to have, you know, okay, rookie years is rookie year. Last year was a step back because of Matt Patricia. Now he's got Bill O'Brien, and the expectations are going to be high for Mac Jones. And has tremendous pressure on him. You're right. Yeah. That, that's a great point. And now he's going to come out, and 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 he's got to follow, like basically he's following Sinatra on opening day. Yeah, that's what's happening. But I think it was one of those things where it was Kraft and Tommy and they just had a conversation. What about this date? You know, that would be my guess that there's probably not great thought into it. I'm wondering what Belichick thinks about that, though. That's a good point. You're bringing out of his mind. Yeah. Out of his mind. Absolutely. And you've spent a lot of time with him like I have. So things like this um, drive him crazy because he likes to have control of everything. And right. when he doesn't have control, um, he it, it makes him a little crazy. He gets a little yeah. frazzled by it. Yes. And it, it puts more on him. Um, but you're right. I'm surprised. And the way it was announced, Kraft just went on like, good morning, America, or something. And oh. Just announced it. And, <laughs> okay. There's a lot of strange things that were happening. Last year, uh, after uh, within days after the season ended, Kraft announces that, He's having a uh, league-wide search for an offensive coordinator. Yeah, never yeah. heard that before. No, never heard that before. No. and he is just feeling the guilt of letting Tom Brady go. And this is another effort to patch that up. And don't have anybody think that it was my fault that Tom Brady left and went to Tampa Bay, right. and we're going to bring Tommy back here. And I, I think these one-day contracts are a farce anyway. But probably do it. But they're a farce. They, they, they drive me crazy when they happen. The guy left for a reason, you know? He left for a reason. So yeah. his last uniform he wore was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and that's it. And by the way, there's no disgrace in how it ended for the for, for both the organization or for Bill and for Brady. I mean, look at how many times they had done it for how, how long. I mean, really? you know, that was a, as long a marriage as uh, – sorry, Bob. Long a marriage as you're <laughs> going to have – as you're going to have in professional sports. It just doesn't happen that way. <laughs> you can come back now, Bob. Okay. I'm good. I'm right there. You can retaliate. Send me a burger. A few of these things. You, you're on. You're on. You did a great job, Glenn. This was a great show. Thanks. One more, one more spot to, to read right here. Oh, okay. come on. Where are yeah. we? Cold Springs RV. Oh, of course. It's amazing that Loby's not into what's going on with the show. Do you notice yeah, that? We, 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 get, we get about five more minutes here, Bob. All right. No, this is this is the, all right, I'm counting it down. This is going to be the grand finale. Now is the time to see a fantastic selection of travel trailers, fifth wheelers, motorhome, pop-ups, and park models at mm-hmm. Cold Springs RV in Ware, New Hampshire. The doors are open and you can freely browse. Or you can check out the deals at coldspringsrv.com. Did you know the Cold Springs RV has one of the region's largest slate of state-of-the-art centers? And you're at the Experience you know, Auto Technician. Guy, Glenn, are you a camping guy? Uh, no, used to be a camping guy when I was young. Then you know, I then I started Sonoran. to make some money, Bob. You don't go camping anymore. You know, <laughs> you make some money. Sonoran Desert and camps around the cactus. No. Don't do no. that. No, I'm not fond of rattlesnakes. I don't blame you. <laughs> Or javelinas for that. No, matter. I've seen the javelinas in my neighborhood. They're not okay. fun. You know, they're no. Oh, them. my God. They look okay, like Don Zimmer. Sorry, they look man. like Don Zimmer. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Cold Springs RV has great benefits and positions open at their Pro RV Service Center. If you have even thought about becoming an auto technician, they're yeah. ready to train you. You can be an auto technician, Bob. Learn more at teamcoldsprings.com. I have a wrench. So, now, here's the deal here, uh, Big O. We've um, John Madden used to have a Madden cruiser. Uh, Cold Springs RV is going to build a Loby cruiser for us. I like it. All right, Loby's yeah. going to go around. He, he may even take. I, I we're going to take it out to Scottsdale and we're going to deliver it to you. You get to drive back to the Boston area in the Loby cruiser from Cold Springs RV. Love it. And you, and you have to choose one person, uh, athlete, all right, or coach. Um, to ride all the way from Scottsdale back home to the Boston area. Who's it going to be? Could it be dead or alive? Uh, yeah, yeah. I think the Javelina, Don Zimmer. I think you <laughs> might want to catch up with him a little bit, you know? How are things going? He used to live out here. 
he lived he out did. here for a while. He did. He lived out here for a while. I think I'd like to catch up with uh, with him. You know, with Zimmer, huh? Yeah, it'd be some great conversation. And why did you take Pedro down like that? What were you thinking? Come on. He said I slipped. That's what will happen. No, I'm the one person that recognized that hole because I got it in sprint uh, training one year where he grabbed me by the shoulder. I got that one move. I've seen that move before. He did? He did. He did. And we were uh, – Haywood Sullivan separated the two of us. And I not that I was aggressive or uh, going at him because I – looked at it i'm in my 20s and i'm looking at it maybe this would be a good payday you know the red sox are worth a few bucks and you know the manager's going to attack me you know physically but i used to get along with them great you sit in the dugout with them before games and whatever and then uh by the end it was all the year that he kept butch hopson at third base and he made about 57 errors and i kept on every night he would drive home and he would hear me on the radio saying you can't play Hobson. I love Butch, but yeah, I can't play Hobson. And he used to tell me that I was destroying his wife's life and everything else. And then I asked a simple question at spring training, one of those press conferences. I, I think I was asking him about Dwight Evans because I had talked to Dewey and Dewey was worried about his position at that time or whatever. So I asked about that and he refused to answer the question. And then I asked Gammons if Gammons would ask him the same question, but Peter moved on to the next one. And then as we're all walking away and going through the hallway, he came over and he just grabbed me and Haywood got in between the two of us. It wasn't much. It was really By the way, the uh, 76ers fired Doc Rivers. You know that by now. Well, I knew that was going to happen. I think Doc knew it. They asked him the question after the the game, what happens now? He said, well, I got two years left on my contract, but now these things go. So, yeah, I think that was, that was expected. You know, speaking of which, uh, and thanks a lot, by the way, I, I, I actually have to take over for you. You were fired by the radio station. And you took my job. <laughs> took my job. Totally unprepared for it. No, and, you and, did a great job, though. It, it moved you on to bigger and better things. And I had nothing against you. That wasn't your Oh, uh, I absolutely fault. not. You and absolutely. I talked at the time. I said, Lynchy, no, no hard feelings. But I got fired from WITS. Uh, 1510, they were doing the Red Sox and they were doing yeah. the Bruins. I did the Bruins games for two years. Joe Scanlon. That's right. Very good. Very good. <laughs> there are some stories there, by the way. CD stories there. But I got fired and Lynchy got hired to take my job at night on WITS. Mike, Mike Carey wrote, I was in a, lo- a, a, a lifeboat without any oars. <laughs> wow. In the middle of the ocean. And and it was brutal because now I was perceived as being a house guy because you yes. got fired because of your criticism. I was ripping the Red, the Red Sox. Yeah, criticizing the Red Sox. And right. um, it was uh, – and I said, please, uh, just make, make, let's put everything back the way it was. You know, please, please, I don't want this this way. And, but uh, you were great. You were a great mentor to me. You were a great leader. Uh, you were a great friend. And, um, and, and, and you were awesome. And I couldn't, couldn't be happier to, to call you my friend and my colleague and uh, – and you were terrific, Pico. Well, we've all, we've all had a um, a great run over the years. And, and more importantly, though, because of what you've gone through health-wise in the last couple of years, Lynchy, it's just great to see you and see you look like Lynchy to me. You act and look <laughs> like Lynchy to me. And, Bobby, you, I know you've had all sorts of issues. I got back issues now, Bob, and I've – with the stenosis and sucks and you can't play golf and – it hasn't changed my game. My game's just as bad as it was before. I but what that's all about. Yeah, but the back is is another thing, and I know you've had a rough. And I'm glad that you're both looking really good. Yeah, well, so are you. Today, you yeah, John, uh, Glenn, this was great. Really, yeah, it's great. This was awesome. Home run. Right. Anytime, fellas. Yeah. Maybe you know what? How a week from now? How many games will I have played? Three. Yeah, I'm going to be in Greece. So I won't be uh gonna be in Greece. I'm going to Greece during the yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to Greece for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Great. Here's a guy, here's a guy from West Lynn and Lynn Classical. Now he's in Scottsdale, he's going to Greece. He's come a long oh, way, but, baby. But I'll tell you never, that. Think about it. When you're same thing with you guys. When you're working five days a week or the football season six days a week, you never can really travel. No. You know, you really can't. And you can't do long trips. And so I'm now catching up on a lot of travel. We've done a lot of travel in the last couple of years. I'm doing a lot of traveling that I've never, ever had the opportunity 
to do before. And the worst part about it is I'm a Greek American from West Lynn. They oh. ridicule you if you don't, on my mother's side, if you don't go back to the motherland and at least visit, I'm visiting it at age 72. Okay. <laughs> so it's a little bit late. So were you a St. George's parishioner? Yes. Oh, that's Harry Dan's church. So, right? yes. And so my mother's side of the family was Greek, and my father was Episcopalian, St. Stephen's, right across the street. Yes, right. Yeah. Right. So I oh. went to both of them. Went to both of them. Learned nothing. You know, <laughs> went to both of them. You know. Father my host. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Father my host. All right, Louie, what do you got? Pass the plate. <laughs> Pass the plate. Good to All see right, you guys. Great job. Please Same we here. don't have any formalities here. We just say goodbye and uh, until next time. All right. Goodbye. Until next time, fellas. Bye, everybody. Bye. Unanchored Boston is a presentation of Unanchored Media, a Burke Advertising LLC company. For show information, visit unanchoredboston.com. Thank you.